Chapters 9 through 17 of the Treatise on Purgatory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Treatise on Purgatory by St. Catherine of Genoa. Chapters 9 through 17. Chapter 9 the way in which God and the souls regard one another in purgatory. The saint confesses her inability to express herself on this matter. All the things of which I have spoken, when compared with that of which I am assured in my intelligence, so far as I am able to comprehend in this life, are of such intensity, that by the side of them, all things seen, all things felt, all things imagined, all things just and true, seem to me lies and things of naught. I am confounded at my inability to find stronger words. I see that God is in such perfect conformity with the soul, that when he beholds it in the purity wherein it was created by his divine majesty, he imparts a certain attractive impulse of his burning love, enough to annihilate it, though it be immortal. And in this way, so transforms the soul into himself, its God, that it sees in itself nothing but God, who goes on thus attracting and inflaming it, until he has brought it to that state of existence whence it came forth, that is, the spotless purity wherein it was created. And when the soul, by interior illumination, perceives that God is drawing near it with such loving ardor to himself, straightway there springs up within it a corresponding fire of love, for its most sweet Lord and God, which causes it wholly to melt away. It sees in the divine light how considerately, and with what unfailing providence, God is leading it to its full perfection, and that he does all through pure love. It finds itself stopped by sin, and unable to follow the heavenly attraction. I mean, that look which God casts on it to bring it into union with himself. And this sense of the grievousness of being kept from beholding the divine light, coupled with that instinctive longing, which would fain be without hindrance to follow the enticing look. These two things, I say, make up the pains of the souls in purgatory. Not that they think anything of their pains, however great they be. They think far more of the opposition they are making to the will of God, which they see clearly is burning intensely with pure love to them. God, meanwhile, goes on drawing the soul to himself by his looks of love mightily, and, as it were, with undivided energy. This the soul knows well. And could it find another purgatory greater than this, by which it could sooner remove so great an obstacle, it would immediately plunge therein, impelled by that conforming love which is between God and the soul. Chapter 10 How God Makes Use of Purgatory to Render the Soul Perfectly Pure The soul there attains such purity that were it to stay after being cleansed, it would no longer suffer. Again, I see that the love of God directs towards the soul certain burning rays and shafts of light, which seem penetrating and powerful enough to annihilate not merely the body, but were it possible, the very soul itself. These work in two ways. They purify and they annihilate. Look at gold. The more it is melted, the better it becomes, and it could be melted so as to destroy every single defect. 
such as the action of fire on material things. Now the soul cannot be annihilated so far as it is in God, but only in itself. And the more it is purified, so much the more it annihilates self, till at last it becomes quite pure and rests in God. Gold which has been purified to a certain point ceases to suffer any diminution from the action of fire, however great it be. For the fire does not destroy gold, but only the dross that it may chance to have. In like manner, the divine fire acts on souls. God holds them in the furnace until every defect has been burnt away, and he has brought them, each in his own degree, to a certain standard of perfection. Thus purified, they rest in God without any alloy of self. Their very being is God. They become impassable because there is nothing left to be consumed. And if in this state of purity they were kept in the fire, they would feel no pain. Rather would it be to them a fire of divine love, burning on without opposition, like the fire of life eternal. Chapter 11 The desire of the souls in purgatory to be quite free from the stains of their sins, the wisdom of God in suddenly hiding from those souls the defects they have. The soul in its creation was invested with all the conditions of which it was capable for reaching perfection, supposing it to live according to the appointment of God, and keep altogether from the defilements of sin. But marred by original sin, it loses all its gifts and graces, becomes dead, and God alone can raise it to life again. And when he has done so by baptism, still the propensity of evil remains, which, if unresisted, inclines and leads to actual sin, whereby the soul again dies. Again God restores it to life, but after this it is so tainted, so turned to self, that to recall it to its first state needs all the divine agency that I have been speaking about, without which it never could be recalled. And when the soul finds itself on its way back to the first state, it is so enkindled with the desire of becoming one with God, that this desire becomes its purgatory. Not that the soul can look at purgatory as such, but the instinct by which it is kindled, and the impediment by which it is hindered, constitute its purgatory. God performs this last act of love without the cooperation of man. For there are so many secret imperfections within the soul, that the sight of them would drive it to despair. These are, however, all destroyed during the process I have described, and when they are consumed, God shows them to the soul, that it may understand that it was he who kindled that fire of love, which consumes every imperfection there is to be consumed. Chapter 12. The Union of Suffering and Joy of Purgatory. Know that what man deems perfection is in the sight of God a defect. All the things which have the appearance of perfection, so far as they come before the sight, the feeling, the understanding, the memory, or the will, are tainted and spoilt if not recognized as from God. For a work to be perfect, it must be wrought in us, without our cooperation as principal agents. It must be God's work, done in God, and man must not in any way take the lead. Such precisely is the operation of his pure and simple love, which God finally works in us, without any merit of our own, wherein he so penetrates and burns the soul, that the surrounding body is consumed away, and can no more hold up, 
than one could remain alive and rest patiently amid the flames of a burning fiery furnace it is true that the overflowing love of god bestows upon the souls in purgatory a happiness beyond expression great but then this happiness does not in the least diminish the pain rather the pain is constituted by this love finding itself impeded the more perfect the love of which god makes the soul capable the greater the pain in this manner the souls in purgatory at the same time experience the greatest happiness and the most excessive pain and one does not prevent the other chapter thirteen how the souls in purgatory are no longer in a state to merit and how they regard the charity exercised in the world for them if the souls in purgatory could purge themselves of their stains by contrition they would in a single instant discharge all their debt so ardent and so impetuous an act would they make seeing in so clear a light the effects of the impediment which hinders them from attaining to their end which is god the object of their love and be assured that the souls have to pay what they owe even to the uttermost farthing this is god's decree to satisfy the demands of justice as to the souls themselves they have no choice of their own in the matter they see nothing but god's will nor do they wish otherwise because they have been so determined they would not care for alms contributed by the living to shorten their period of pain were not those precisely balanced by the will of god they leave all in his hands who exact satisfaction as it pleases his infinite goodness and could they regard those alms apart from the divine will it would be an act of selfishness which would prevent their seeing the divine will and would be to them a very hell they remain immovably fixed on whatever god wills for them and neither pleasure nor pain can ever again cause them to turn to self chapter fourteen on the submission to the will of god that the souls in purgatory have these souls are so closely united so transformed into the will of god that in all things they are satisfied with his most holy decree and were a soul presented before god with ever so little to purge away it would suffer grievous hurt and a torment worse than ten purgatories that unspotted sanctity that perfect justice could not endure it to do so would be unbecoming on the part of god should then the soul perceive that it lacked even a moment of satisfying god most completely it would be to it a thing intolerable and rather than stand thus imperfectly cleansed in the presence of god it would plunge at once into a thousand hells chapter fifteen how the souls in purgatory rebuke the men of this world would that i could cry out said this blessed soul when under the divine illumination she saw these things loud enough to strike with fear every man upon the earth and say miserable beings why suffer ye yourselves to be so blinded by this world as to make no provision for the dire strait ye will find yourselves in at the hour of death ye all shelter yourselves under the hope of god's mercy which ye say is so great and ye consider not this very goodness of god will rise up in judgment against you for having opposed the will of so good a master his mercy ought to constrain you to do all his will and not encourage you to do evil be assured that his justice cannot yield 
but must in one way or other be fully satisfied. Let no one buoy himself up, saying, I shall confess, and then I shall receive a plenary indulgence, whereby I shall be cleansed from all my sins and get through safely. Know that a plenary indulgence requires confession and contrition, and this latter is so difficult to obtain, that if ye knew how difficult, ye would tremble with fear, and rather make sure of not gaining than of gaining the indulgence. Chapter 16 The saint shows how the sufferings of the souls in purgatory do not destroy their peace or their joy. I see that the souls in purgatory in the midst of their pains are sensible of doing two things. First, that they are suffering willingly. For when they perceive their own deserts and God's majesty, they think that he is treating them with great leniency in afflicting them as he does. For had not goodness tempered justice with mercy through the satisfactions of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a thousand hells would have been the portion of a single sin through all eternity. Hence they suffer all their pains gladly, and would not rid them of a single pang, knowing that all is justly deserved and righteously ordained. They no more complain of God, so far as their will is concerned, than if they were in life eternal. Secondly, they are conscious of feeling positive satisfaction in beholding the love and mercy with which God orders his work within them. They are made sensible of these two facts at one and the same moment, and being in a state of grace, understand them as they are, each soul according to its capacity, and they experience great happiness, which never grows less, but on the contrary, goes on increasing the nearer they approach God. They do not know these things directly in themselves, but in God, on whom their attention is more fixed, far more, than on the pains they suffer, and on whom in comparison they make far more account. For one glimpse of God exceeds every pain and every joy a man can conceive, and though it exceeds, does not take away one particle of the joy or of the pain. Chapter 17 The saint, in conclusion, applies all that has been said of the souls in purgatory to what she feels and experiences in her own mind. That which I have thus described as going on within the souls who are actually in purgatory, I have experienced in my own soul, especially during these last two years, and each day I see and feel it more clearly. I perceive my soul in the midst of my body as in a purgatory, conformed and like to the true purgatory, in measure, however, that the body may be able to endure it and not die. Yet the pain goes on increasing gradually until death. I see the soul estranged to all things, even spiritual, which can give it nourishment, as joy, delight, consolation, and it has no power of tasting anything temporal or spiritual by will, by understanding, by memory, so that I can say, this thing pleases me more than that other. My soul is, as it were, besieged in such a manner, that all spiritual or bodily refreshments are gradually cut off, and when they have been cut off, the soul, although it knows well how it could have been fed and comforted by them, looks on them with feelings of hatred and abhorrence, and rejects them all without repairing its loss. This happens because there exists within the soul an impulse to get rid of every hindrance to its perfection, 
and that too with such severity to itself that it would almost suffer itself to be cast into hell to reach this end and so it goes on removing everything which might feed the inward man and besieges itself so straitly that not even the least particle of imperfection can pass without being spied out and rejected with abhorrence my body too since it can no longer communicate with the soul is in like manner besieged and unable to obtain anything to refresh its human nature there is no comfort for it but god who does all he does to satisfy his justice lovingly and with great mercy when i see this i feel satisfaction and peace but my sufferings are not the less nor am i less straitly besieged no sufferings however could make me wish it otherwise than god has determined for me i remain in my prison without a wish to come out till god has done all that i need my happiness is that god should be satisfied and the greatest pain i could endure would be being excluded from his ordinance for i see how just and merciful it is i am sensible of all these things i have described as it were by sight and touch but i cannot find fitting words to express myself as i could wish i have said what i have said because i was conscious of its going on spiritually within me the prison in which i fancy myself shut up is the world the chain by which i am held is the body the soul enlightened is she who knowing well the grievousness of being detained and kept back by any hindrance from reaching her end suffers thereby great pain inasmuch as she is very tender god by his grace bestows upon her a dignity which makes her like god and not only like god but even one with him through participating in his goodness and as it is impossible that god should suffer pain so it is with the souls that approach him and the nearer they approach him the more they share in that which belongs to him the hindrance then that the soul meets with causes it to feel an intolerable pain and the pain together with the hindrance obstruct those properties which it has by nature and which by grace are revealed to it and not being able to attain them although capable of them the soul remains in suffering great in proportion to its appreciation of god this appreciation of god grows with its knowledge of god and its knowledge is greater the more it is free from sin and the delay becomes more and more terrible because the soul wholly immersed in god knows him without error there being nothing in the way to prevent such knowledge the man who would sooner die than offend god feels death and the pain of dying but the sight of god supplies him with a zeal which makes him think more of the divine honor than bodily death in like manner a soul knowing what god has appointed for it thinks more of the appointment than any outward or inward pain no matter how dreadful and this because god the author of it surpasses everything that can be thought of or imagined the participation of himself that god grants the soul however slight it be keeps it so wholly taken up with his majesty that it can think of nothing else everything to do with self passes away it neither sees speaks nor knows loss or pain of its own but all this as has already been clearly said it perceives at the instant of passing from this life finally in conclusion i mean that god who is good and great 
destroys all which is of man, and purgatory purifies it. End of chapters 9 through 17. End of Treatise on Purgatory by St. Catherine of Genoa.